Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 285. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. Seven-year anniversary. That's right. Seven years of this show. This is episode number 285, but the actual number is somewhere north of that. I have a bunch of unnumbered episodes. I don't know how many, but I do know that if you added up all of the hours that I have talked to people... It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 days to two weeks long. So if you went back and listened to my show back to back, it would take you more than 10 days, probably somewhere around two weeks to listen to them all. That would be insane. Don't do that. And what's funny about that is that the person that I probably spend the most time with outside of anyone that I am either married to or blood related to is my guest this week, Jason Taylor. He's my best friend. He's my writing partner. He's my creative muse. And he's someone who doesn't really like the attention that this show is going to bring him. In fact, when I pitched it to him, he was kind of hesitant. I said, hey, man, this is what I want to do for my seventh anniversary show. Would you be interested in it? And he goes, I don't know about that. And I'm like, wow, okay. But you know what? I respect that. This isn't for everyone. I talk for a living. I do public relations. I'm talking to reporters, politicians, guests of all stripes on this show. And not everyone's wired that way. Yet when Jason and I get together, it's like peanut butter and chocolate, man. It just makes sense. Because unless you've known both of us for a long time, you know exactly how it makes sense. But from the outside looking in, we may seem like kind of an odd couple. We're just two different people. But that's why it works. And that's what I wanted to do on this show, is I wanted to highlight a different side of me. And I wanted to, even though he was a little bit resistant to it, shine a spotlight on someone who inspires me, someone who motivates me, someone who I like to create things with. And that's definitely Jason. And on this week's show, we talk about the first time we met. It was in high school. It was during a production of The Diary of Anne Frank and how our friendship evolved from there. Because first impressions, we didn't really care for each other. We looked at each other and we go, what the fuck is this guy about? And you'll hear that story on here. But the friendship grew. It blossomed. We both are really into doing creative type things. And there was one moment It was in like 2006 or 2007. I was living in my apartment by myself. We were watching the same like SNL retrospective thing. They were talking about the writing process and being funny and how to write jokes and on and on and on. We called each other and we go, we have to create something together. And from there, we created something called the Crew Jones Society. Launched in 2007, lasted until about 2010, 2011, something like that. And from there, we hooked up with Brad Haig. We've written some 48-hour film projects together. And here's the thing. We make each other better. I fill in the parts that he's not as strong at, and he fills in the parts that I'm not as strong at. And we talk through our creative process like that. We talk about our sensibility. We talk about what we like about working with each other. And perhaps most notably, we talk about personas. Because I definitely have a persona hosting this show. I have a persona when I'm doing stuff for work. I have my dad persona. And then I have my sort of most relaxed persona, the one where I'm most myself. And this is a show where I think that comes out more than pretty much any other show, except for the one I did with my wife. Doing this near weekly, it's something like 40 shows a year I do. Actually, I can add that up. Yep. Seven times 40. Yeah, that's 280. What can I show you that you haven't seen before? And hopefully, that's what this show is. 
I think it's fun to peek behind the curtain and see what people are actually like. One of my favorite shows right now is The Grolic Saves the World. And it's because I can tell those three guys are such good friends and they love creating so much together that maybe that gave me some unintentional inspiration for this week's show. Because Jason and I, I love to create with that dude. I've laughed some of my hardest laughs with him, created some of the things I've most been proud of. And you know what? I'm just thrilled he's my best friend. I love him. I hope we're the two old dudes standing in the back of the punk club together when we're 80. And so giving you a peek at that, that's the best gift I can think of to mark the occasion. So I hope you enjoy it. Quick programming note. I'm going to be off next week. I'm headed out of here for spring break. Got to get to a warmer climate. Everyone in my house is fully vaccinated. Everyone we're visiting is fully vaccinated. That's an amazing feeling. We're still not going to be dipshits about it. So don't worry about that. We still mask up. We still take care of others. But I can see this thing coming to an end. And that's a thrill as well. So I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope you're taking care of each other and just hang on because we'll be on the other side of this before you know it. Now then let's get to this week's episode. Number 285 is the seven year anniversary of the John of all trades podcast. I sincerely thank you for taking this journey with me and I hope you enjoy this show. It's with my best friend, my writing partner and my creative muse, Jason Taylor. And it starts right now. It's a TV show about like Canadian hicks, I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they're like, like good old boys, but... Is it like Northern Exposure? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so like the main three characters are all these like farmhands. Uh-huh. But then there's like these two hockey bros who are like surfer dudes, but they play hockey in Canada. And then there's like these weird emo rave kids. Uh, but a lot of the like dialogue... And the way they talk reminds me of that scene in Seinfeld when they're talking about pies. Like Blackberry, Boysenberry, Boysenberry, <laughs> Peach. So, like, they all just play off each other that kind oh, of Oh, so it's real, like, rat-a-tat dialogue? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. With a real, like, Canadian essence to it. Yeah. Did you uh, ever end up watching Red Oaks? Or I don't think you have Prime, do you? No, I don't have Prime. Okay. You got to watch that one. Uh, get your hand on that somehow because that one is so funny. That's like, I mean, that's like, it's the movie that we wanted to make. Right. And yeah, so which is annoying. Um, but also, apparently, we aren't the only ones trying desperately to have this art come out of us that's just nothing but 80s sex farce. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know if that's an indictment of us or society. I mean, who cares? <laughs> but I was thinking about this, too, as I sent you the scene from Wayne's World 2 Yeah, with Bob Odenkirk and Robert Smigel, where they're the two dorks at the Aerosmith concert. And... The thing that was so funny, did you read that thing I sent you? I didn't read it all yet. Okay. There's not much to it. Yeah, that's kind of what I noticed when I looked at it. Um, that, like, it's like one answer. It's, apparently, it's part of a podcast, but apparently, we're not the only ones that find that scene just uproariously hilarious. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> the writer, her name is Mara Eakin, she goes, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about one of my favorite comedy scenes of all time. And I thought, fantastic. Like, we're not alone. Yeah. And to me, when we write something, and I was saying this to Brett the other day. So I was at Old 121 on St. Patrick's Day. Right. And I said, it's always amazing and sort of overwhelming when when someone else gives a shit about something that you've created. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's wild. Because you and I have written a bunch of stuff together that's generally been pretty well received. Yeah. And that's just like overwhelming where it like just comes out of you and you go, I have no idea if anyone else is going to like this. What's that experience like for you? 
Uh, it's still kind of weird, like, hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, I know people have seen this stuff, but I still think, like, no one's seen this. <laughs> right. Uh, so I ended up, I've ended up, I'm doing this kind of mentor thing for this high school kid who's doing some writing. Nice. And she asked me yesterday, she's like, have you published anything? Which got me thinking about, you know, back to Korea. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I used to do this website and publish that far. And she's like, was it, like, did you read the comments? Was it received kind of thing? I was like, yeah, you know, people read it, liked it. And that's still kind of weird. The the weirdest thing about that to me, because I was, like, I did most of the webmaster stuff and, like, was kind of behind the scenes doing a lot of the stuff there. When I would look at the traffic reports and the GoDaddy analytics said we were averaging, like, 10,000 unique visitors a day. The Google analytics said we were averaging, like, 1,500 a day. Wow. And I always thought that Google was just trying to hose us out of ad revenue. Mm. So their their analytics were way down. GoDaddy, I have no idea. But my feeling was it was somewhere in the middle, right? That so, makes sense. So let's figure somewhere between two and 10,000 people a day. This is old internet too, right? So yeah. like Facebook wasn't super a thing. We were like barely on Twitter. And I'm like, 2,000 people thought enough to click on us every day to see what we were writing. Yeah. That's mystifying to me, isn't yeah. it? And so this is Jason Taylor, my best friend for a long time now. Also my writing partner and who I like to refer to as my creative muse <laughs> because I am funnier and more creative with you than just about anyone else. And I know it's funny. I asked you to do this and you were kind of like hemming and hawing a little bit about it. You generally like to take a more behind the scenes role. Yeah. Why is that? It's it's really a self-confidence issue. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, that's the most part. Uh, I mean, you know me. You know I don't like talking. I don't talk much. <laughs> You've referred to me as your silent Bob on several occasions. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's true. Yeah. So, like, the idea of doing a podcast where it's, like, just me talking. Well, not just me, but right. just my talking. And, <laughs> yeah, just kind of... Makes you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. That's funny because, for me... And I, I I know I'm not alone on this because let's get to this story real quick. You uh, punked my uncle at my grad school graduation by just playing stupid on something that he was saying. So like to, to set this story up for anyone who doesn't know it, there's a bunch of people there. There's some adults. And what did he say? It was something like ridiculously simple, right? Yeah, he was talking about his – I don't know if it was him or uh, whoever he was talking to. He was talking about their daughter going to college. Right. And it, something so simple and stupid, like, she can either go to college or she can't. <laughs> like, right. the way he said it, there was more to what he was trying to say, but it was just that, like, ridiculous to me. Right, but, like, this lame A-B premise. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I just chimed in, like, I didn't understand this. Like, oh, these are the two options? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, as I recall, this is something we said to each other a lot. It's like, I don't follow you. Yeah. Like, clearly, it's not that hard to follow. I was like, uh, wait. I don't follow. So she can go or she can't? Wait, that can't be right. I don't follow. Back up. Uh, and my dad told me he was watching this the whole time and then nearly died laughing when he realized what you were doing. And the reason I know this story so well is he tells it back to me about three times a year. So uh, what's funny is I know you probably better than just about anyone. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. So I know how funny and interesting and deep you are, the fact that you don't display that as much as you might or could, 
I'm always like, man, why not? Because I know your shit is so funny and so good Thank you. that to me, as someone who talks for a living and is on this show celebrating my seventh, my seventh year of doing it, it makes me go, wow, okay. So like we're wired differently in that regard, but maybe that's why we work well together. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I never, uh, until we were, this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is we'd never really, we don't talk about our creative process that much. No. <clears throat> we, like we don't have to though. No. And so my goal with a show like this is to kind of give a different side of me because not everyone knows the history. And I want to see how much you identify with this because this is something that uh, I, I identify with a lot. I have work me. I have dad me. I have podcast me and then i have like what i would call sort of real me and that one's different than all those other ones yeah and that's the one that you see probably most like you're one of the only people who gets that insight into me okay how much do you think you have personas in terms of what you do in your life oh i absolutely agree with that um actually recently i've been kind of struggling with that like uh kind of what is the real me kind of identity issue thing um it's kind of bringing me down for a while, but then I read this stupid fucking meme. It's like, <laughs> there's a different version of you that exists in everyone's mind, which like made me feel better about it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I tell people when I record podcasts because no one likes the sound of their own voice. Yeah. And I always tell them, I go, look, that version of your voice that you hear in your head, you are literally the only person who hears that version. Right. Because, you know, your, your voice is echoing off your skull and like it's coming from within you. So it sounds different. Rest assured, what you hear on tape is what the rest of us hear. And that makes some people go, oh, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I go, no, trust me, it's fine. I'm, I'm a coach here. But I think that's interesting because, yeah, think about the people you've met in your life when you were, like, in very specific contexts. Yeah. And so, like, you and Fort Collins working at Kohl's, there's probably people who remember you solely as that. Right. That's wild, man. I, no, I'd never heard that. So what are you doing about it then? I mean, you said it was bothering you, but uh, was it giving you like a crisis or a little bit? Like I would just kind of dwell on it, kind of like, who am I? Like, do I need to change at all? Like, but until I read that, I was like, you know, I don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, whatever I do, I'm going to be different to whatever, like however people see me. So yeah, not so much what I do because they're going to view whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep, dude. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but like, let's go back. So speaking of different versions of ourselves, uh, fall of 1999. Okay. So I get cat, I come back from Texas, spent a year down there, didn't really like it, came back. It was like a returning character to a show because I was like, I had more confidence. I'd lost a bunch of weight and I was riding high because I'm back in my old high school. And I was like more popular than when I left, which was really great. I was a senior and then there's all these like hot juniors and sophomores that I didn't know. And they're all into my senior energy. It's fantastic. Uh, but I get cast in Diary, Diary of Anne Frank as Mr. Crawler. You are student director. Um, I'm curious about your first impressions of me. All right. So what I remember vividly is we had that is like a, opening meeting greet thing after everyone was cast. Okay. Like we're all in this circle and chairs and doing whatever stupid theater game shit. And this is amazing because I don't know where this story is going. <laughs> and that is so rarely the case because I'm frequently the group historian. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't remember like exactly what game we were doing or what was going on, but it was kind of just break the ice sort of thing. And then you got up and you're just like, you're the big personality <laughs> as long as I've known you. 
<laughs> so it started in that moment. I was like, and I've never seen you before. <laughs> you were gone for that year. And I was like, who is this fucker? <laughs> it's just loud and obnoxious. And yeah, you know, this very like, uh, cause you were swimming and all that. Yeah. So it was very, um, I don't want to say jock, but yeah, kind of like right? a real broy energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this fucking guy. Cause like I, I knew Keith. Yeah. He was there. Um, I had met Adam, Adam Smith a couple of days earlier. He like auditioned with me, you know, those, they're theater kids. They seem like theater kids. <laughs> yes, they do. So I'm like, okay, I can vibe with these guys, but I, I just didn't get you. There. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <clears throat> when, and I'll, I'll give you my first impressions here in a second. Actually, no, I'll do that because that'll lead into my next question. I remember you come in, you have a mohawk at that point. Pretty big mohawk, too. Yeah. Like, you wore it pretty high. <laughs> um, to the point where the first time you came over to my house, we were in my garage and my mom pulled in. And you're, I mean, you, how tall are you? You're like 6'2", right? Six, just six. Just six? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It makes me feel even shorter for whatever reason. <laughs> but, and I'm like 5'9". Anyway, um, we're in my garage and you've got your mohawk, you've got your sweatshirt with all the pins, like safety pins and, you know, like patches and shit on it. And my mom is like, I was afraid to get out of the car. And like, you were, you were big in high school too. You were like oh, yeah. a big dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I go, mom, he's with me. What, like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like he wasn't holding me at knife point. Like I'm, I'm not calling for help. We're clearly having a good time together. Like what's the matter with you? And so, uh, but I remember like I was into punk rock too, and there was no way you could have known that at no, the time. No. And I, yeah, I'm sure I was dressed like King Douche from Douche Mountain. I remember I'm like, who is this fucking poser? I thought, I thought you were totally like just putting on airs about the punk rock yeah. shit. Like, because you know, I've always had a problem with the punk uniform too. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like you were wearing it. I go, okay, what's this dude proving? <laughs> like, okay. And what was the turning point for you in terms of changing that perception about me? So uh, I don't know if it, I don't think we were quite like backstage yet. I think they were like running lines, practicing, whatever you and I, you know, we didn't have a lot to do. <laughs> no. so we were just sitting there like in the seats and something came up about wrestling. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember exactly what, but we started like vibing on that. And then that just kind of morphed into like, punk rock bands that we liked and, that is exactly the way I remember it too. We started talking about wrestling and like in the past, like before I moved to Texas, I was a total closeted wrestling fan. Was that the case for you too? Uh, not really, but I was never, I've never been as like, into it as you. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fair. So you remember like Jay Rosa and Zach. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we would talk about wrestling and stuff like during drawing class and okay. stuff like that. But. Yeah. And those guys would like, they started their own like backyard wrestling. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. I remember they showed it to me. It's like, we had a playground death match. I go, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, we started talking about that. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, thank God, someone I can talk about this with. And then I remember like from there. So that was real easy. Like that was an easy win for me. That's one of the ways I immediately connect with people. That's how I met Steven down in Houston. That and making fun of Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> like, I, I don't remember. We were swimming. We were on the swim team and we started talking about Cannibal Corpse. And I'm like, you even know what this is? Like, <laughs> what a great friendship test. Never heard of a band called Vape on Death. <laughs> you have? <clears throat> um, they're awesome. <clears throat> we'll get to that. <laughs> and then we had a lot of time off stage. 
Yeah. Like our theater director kept his crew very small. And so you were student directing, right? Uh, not quite. I was just like running crew or something. Yeah. Something like whatever. Okay. Yeah. And because I was off stage for most of the play, he kind of drafted me into that too. And we would just sit there and just like crack jokes and like poke fun at the cast. Gent, I mean, gently, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was all kind of just good natured ball busting. Yeah. High school bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you remember I had that one scene where I had to carry like six things? Yeah. Do you remember my name? <laughs> it was because uh, you had like a trench coat and a hat, so you looked like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> yeah. So you're Humphrey Bogart, the amazing Jew-hiding magician. <laughs> That's right, because I had a cake box, my briefcase, and a thing of flowers. And so Klug like, gives me all this shit, and he's like, okay, this is how you come in. I go, how the fuck am I going to carry all this? Like, what? How? I don't... Okay. And so I just figured it out. I'm like, okay, a cake box goes in the left hand. I have to hold the flowers in the same as my briefcase. Okay, I'm going to go in, hand the cake. And so I was doing like this whole like kabuki theater with all these props. Perfect way to put that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, eventually, like that's just how I came to be known while we were doing that. And it was like it was almost this like blessing. It's like Klug sent us to friendship camp. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, it turned out we had the exact same sensibility. Yeah. Which was crazy to me because, like, from those first impressions, we were, like, such an odd couple. Right. You know? What do you remember from our time off stage there? Uh, Again, it was mostly making the jokes. Like, nothing specific about those jokes that stood out. But what really stands out that I remember is scalping people and putting the scalps in mailboxes. (laughs) (laughs) What is that joke? That I don't remember. Just, it came from somewhere about, about obviously came from somewhere. Was that mine? Yeah. Oh yeah. So okay. So through these insane riffs that we were doing, I made up some joke about scalping people and putting them putting the scalps in mailboxes. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> Okay. You always made these like weird characters too. Like there was Jimmy the lifeguard or something. <laughs> I don't remember much else about him, but <laughs> um <laughs> That's right. Oh my god, I used to do those characters. And like this is what this is what's awful about the 90s. So, some of the characters had as much depth as he's gay. Yeah. Right? Or he's mentally challenged. Right? And so I would never ever do these characters now. It was a different time and place and I I feel appropriately bad about where they were even yeah. in context. Oh yeah. You oh, know, yeah. but like it was what it was and you do it because it gets laughs. Yeah. And so you know, not to, not to quote Wayne Campbell here, but like, hey, maybe it's society's fault. You, you know, like when he's trying to pay for the oil change or the tune-up or whatever he's getting from yeah. uh, Phil, who's always partied out. And then, yeah, I had the slow character who was like from the south that I did. That was like a riff on Aaron Stampler from Primal Fear. Okay. You remember Edward Norton's character in Primal Fear? Vaguely, but yeah. Okay. I love that movie, so I've seen it like a billion times. And I, I did that for City Mouse or Country Mouse when we were doing children's theater. And so, like, that's all that character was. Oh, okay. He's, he's a slow southerner. <laughs> really, really nuanced <laughs> comedy <laughs> that we were practicing in the 90s. And then there was Sergio, and Sergio was just effeminate. And I go, Ugh, this is good stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, it's almost like Klug sent us to friendship camp because, A, we had time, like a lot of time, because that's a play with a lot of dialogue and a lot of people on stage at all times. Yeah. 
So I don't think we did a complete run through until dress rehearsal. Probably not. And so we're like, we're never going to do this thing. And it was, it, it was so long. Yeah. And we had great material too. <laughs> because like, I mean, making fun of your peers. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like why you watch game shows, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to make fun of the contestants. Yeah. And they're all stuck on stage the whole time. They can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, and so, yeah, from there, it's like, oh, shit. Okay. I think, I think we're best friends now, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that was high school and we just became pals. I graduated 2000. You graduated 01. And then how, when did you move up to Fort Collins? Uh, that would have been 02, 03. Okay. Yeah, that feels right. Were we doing anything creatively then, or were we just drinking a lot? Just drinking a lot. Okay. <laughs> and like, what what prompted you to move up to Fort Collins? Uh, so I was living down here, down in Golden. Um, not really sure what to do with myself. But I was like, well, John's up there, Keith's up there. Yeah. Let's go hang out with those guys. I like them. <laughs> so I went up there. Well, who are um, you? Who are you hanging out with down here? Uh, still Jay Rosa. Um, some of my other like skate rat friends. Okay. So. Nice. Was it a problem that I was a fruit booter? Uh, a little bit. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Well played. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to touch on because you actually got the jump on me on creative stuff because when we started hanging out, you showed me all these videos that you had made. Oh yeah. There was like full length videos and music videos and skate videos and stuff. Where did that impulse come from? Uh, so at some point in my high school, life i want i thought i wanted to be like a filmmaker and so we had this camera and i'd go out with my friends and um just film stuff i think actually it started with skate videos oh sure yeah i think like we had the camera we had skateboards and like let's go make skate videos (laughs) (laughs) totally i i mean what what skate kid can't relate to that we got a camera like let's just film this that we're gonna be doing anyway yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so it kind of came from there you know same kind of like our offstage shit i had that same kind of thing with all those skate right kids roy let's let's make movies let's do narratives and stuff so and like what kind of equipment were you working with then so i mean this was the 90s would you have to record the shit in sequence or did you have any kind of even like prehistoric editing kind of capability i did not have that editing stuff like it was a sony handycam <laughs> nice uh so you could kind of go back and like tape over things as you were doing it but that always looked sloppy and terrible so we always did stuff in sequence okay like we never went back and edited stuff you didn't even do stuff with like two vcrs uh no i think the only time we tried it with that was when we were doing like music video mocks oh sure to like help sync it up a little bit better but yeah no that makes sense we did the two vcr thing when you filmed my audition for that reality show too oh yeah which is something that almost no one knows about (laughs) and dude like the weirdest thing so when we started playing uh, pub trivia the biggest team was the slump busters that guy julio went on jeopardy and then recently he was on The Chase on ABC. Oh, right. like, have you heard of that show? No, but... Okay, it's like Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and who's the other guy? James Holzhauer. And like a team of contestants goes against him. It's complicated, dude. It's like fucking bamboozled from friends. The rules are insane. It's decent because they fire questions at you at a decent clip. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Once you are on one game show or reality show, you typically get access to a database where you can get on other game shows. I don't know if this is Julio's case or what, but the fact that he's on two game shows, that kind of makes sense, right? 
So the reality show that I auditioned for ended up not going to network. I was one of the semifinalists, um, and it was right before they were going to like call people in for camera tests okay. that I got word that I wasn't going to go. But they said, here's your access to this reality show database. And I looked at it, and I go, what the fuck am I doing? Like I don't, I don't want to be this. Like I loved Real World Road Rules Challenge, but I didn't want to be one of those people. Oh, yeah. Like that seems like an awful existence. To yeah. Me. Anyway, you filmed it. We did it at like midnight, and I think we ended at Kitty's South. Yeah. Trying to be intentionally provocative, and I was wearing those jeans with the ass cut out. Of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what were you gonna say about that? Oh, I just remember you like coming over to my house first. You're like, I got to cut the ass out of these jeans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it was it, like, we did it me driving in my car, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like talking into it and trying to, like, I think I was trying to be like some bad boy or some fucking dumb thing. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we did that. That was, I mean, that was pretty fun. But I was always kind of jealous because I'm like, dude, he's actually doing the shit. Yeah. You didn't know that, did no, you? No, I never did that. Because your reaction was <laughs> shocking to me there. Uh, I'm like, dude, he actually makes stuff. Like, I think that is one of the tricks is you've got to just make whatever it is you're going to make. Yeah. Just try it, even if it sucks. Yeah. Because, I mean, how were those videos? Were they any good? Oh, no. Terrible. No. <laughs> were there any that were any good? Well, no. There were, there were some stuff that's like salvageable and decent out of them. Right. Do you have any of them? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Good. I mean, they were still on that like Sony <laughs> Handycam. Oh, like in those, <laughs> in those yeah. tiny little tapes <laughs> yeah. that you snap into like bigger VHS tapes? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Well, no. Yeah, more or less. Okay. <laughs> um, because I, I will tell you one thing. One video you made that I thought was really, really good. We were in college when you made this. Uh, was that music video to fall back down? Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember that. And you told me, who who's the kid that Connor used to refer to as the Wookiee? Wookiee. Oh, uh wasn't that um, Kyle Hauser? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you go, there's this, like, guitar bridge part, and I know exactly, there's a dance, I filmed Kyle just doing this dance, it's going to go perfect there. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah. And so, like, I remember watching that, I go, that does go perfect there. <laughs> and there's, at one point, I remember we were at a party at your house. It's like, hey, let's play real world. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, okay. okay. Yeah. So, like, we just decided to film a reality show, and none of us knew what the other were talking about. So. Right. Who and we were filming it in sequence, but there was one where I'm just like I'm smoking a cigarette and I'm ranting at the camera like outside. Yeah, Do you remember this? Uh-huh. You set that to Tim Armstrong's like super rapid fire lyrics. I go, that's awesome looking, <laughs> <laughs> and it made me so happy just to, because you were taking this footage that you had and compiling it in a really interesting way, which is what music videos are. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I remember that music video really, really well for whatever reason. <laughs> I should look those up and figure out if I can get them online somehow. That'd be cool. I mean, like, it's always fun going back and looking at early projects, provided, you know, hopefully there's none of me doing any of these characters. Um, I'll get canceled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and pro, and pro, and deservedly so. Oh, yeah. Almost, almost certainly. <laughs> that brings me to another point. Like, so I always had that in the back of my head that you, like, you were unafraid to create stuff. And when I went to college, I don't think I've ever told you this. I had it in the back of my head. I knew I wanted to do radio. And I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, Jason makes shit. I can go and actually try and make shit. And I'm sorry if I've never told you that before. No, you never have. But it's, <laughs> um, it was one of the things that kind of inspired me because I, I'd watched this stuff and I were irrespective of quality. 
Um, I'm like, dude, he, he actually put it down and is showing it to other people. <laughs> like, that's the amazing part. Yeah. There, there was one effect that you did too where someone disappeared. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you told me how you did it. It was real simple, but yeah. like, how did you do it? Yeah. So I remember learning that going, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's base. It's, so you just film them and you got to keep your camera like completely still and steady. It's got to be like on a tripod or something, right? Yeah. 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 So like nothing else moves. And so you film them and then you stop the film. Don't touch the camera, touch nothing. And they get out of the shot and then you just start it again. And then the actor reacts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, where'd you go? Or like, <laughs> probably not that on the nose. Yeah. You saw that. I go, wow, that actually looked really good. But you know, you're 18. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so I go, yeah, I, I got to create my own radio show. And so it's college. Uh, I was writing on the internet a lot. I think, were you writing for like Hopes and Dreams? Was that Jay's site? Was that during that time? Uh, I don't think I ever wrote for him. Well, you had your own blog site though. No, do you remember this? Like, no. Yeah, you, no, <laughs> you wrote, uh, you wrote about like your birthday when you referred to it as Jaeger 030. It was called Hopes and Dreams. It was like 50 megs, Hopes and Dreams. And you would just write about whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that at you all. You don't remember no. your own blog? No. Oh, you're killing me. This is why I'm the group historian, which is why that story of like going around in the circle at theater, it, that's like always a gift to me where I'm like, holy shit, like <laughs> something I don't remember. Fantastic. Uh, but I remember you started writing a little bit. You wrote one time uh, I had bought these like wrestling tapes from Japan, mm. which again, anyone who's I, my goal with this episode is to give people insight into who I really am. <laughs> But we were watching matches between Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. Yeah. You remember doing that? I do remember that. Do you remember writing about that? No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Because you did. And I go, ah, cool. I got to mention here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I I was writing wrestling recaps. I did that for like three years. Yeah. I remember that. And then I was writing about music for 411mania.com. Like I was reviewing concerts and reviewing CDs and stuff. I was working at the radio station. And it was all great. And I remember, like, eventually I got burned out on writing about wrestling because you can only get emails from angry Jeff Hardy fans so much <laughs> before you burn out on it. At that point, so you were living in Fort Collins. When did you move back? Uh, 2007. Like, pretty much, like, you were working at Kohl's still, right? Yeah. Okay. Were you doing anything creative at the time? I may have been doing a little bit of, like, writing, just... So it's usually like something I'm always kind of writing, okay, wherever. But like, because I remember when you were in college, you know, you take creative writing classes and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, was any of it like published? No. Was, okay. Yeah. Just nothing. I remember I had just quit. I was writing for a site called the Seventh Level dot com. That site was weird. <laughs> Do you remember that? Vaguely. But yeah. yeah. I was writing like blog posts about people having bad etiquette in elevators, or like. <laughs> these long, terrible reviews of the new Mike chemical romance album. And like, it, it was just, it was neither here nor there. And, uh, you and I were both watching the same thing on a Sunday night. Do you remember what it was? No, it was an SNL in the nineties oh, retrospective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember this now? I do now. <laughs> there was something about that where I, did you call me or did I call you? I can't remember what it was. That I don't remember, but who knows? But do you remember that night we ended up talking on the phone and we're like, dude, we got to like, yeah. get, we got to start writing stuff. Yeah. Because there was something about the way they put that together. It was like on NBC and they had, they brought everyone back and they were talking about the creative process and, 
you know, writing these goofy sketches and whatever. And we like that just lit this fire inside of both of us. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah. Talk me through kind of like what you were feeling when you saw that. So what really I what I remember most is it was the uh Heather Locklear and Mike Myers. Oh, yeah. The infomercial. <laughs> Thank God you said that because I I couldn't pinpoint Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah it was that okay. sketch. <laughs> and and so yeah, so we're talking to each other, kinda like riffing on that same kind of humor as that and um same this is the one thing. where she's trying to sell pasta makers, right? Right. Like, and, and she just, she just keeps getting more and more racist and like anti-Semitic. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Talking about the Holocaust never happened. And, <laughs> and the phone lines yeah. are like blowing up behind her. Meanwhile, yeah. like Mike Myers is trying to like distance himself. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yeah trying to keep it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously like we both some level related to that. Like that is our kind of humor. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do something. Like, we could do that. There's no, like, I'm sure we equated it to some joke or sketch or characters we were doing that I'm sure we're like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta like pursue this more and do something. Dude. I remember also you would like call or text me and you'd say, dude, you owe me 10 pasta makers. <laughs> and so, yeah, we were originally going to write sketches and at some point that morphed into just like a pop culture and like personal essay blog. Yeah. Which I think kind of what we, we're just reading a lot of, so we're like, yeah, we can do this. I would read a lot online. I know you did too. Yeah. Like we started reading Cracked, like daily. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's right. It was Cracked dot com. Yeah, back when like Michael Swain was writing for him, and it was yeah, those lists were so funny and so insightful and so well curated. Yeah, and it's like no, we need to be writing that because I mean. You had kind of limited filmmaker ability, like you had your handy cam, right? right? <laughs> but neither of us like really is attuned to kind of that. But it's like, what can we control? Like, what what's the easiest thing to get out quickly? And and like for me, it's almost like the Jeopardy thing. Like, I want a high volume of questions fired at me at all times. Yeah, I want to like create a lot of art at once. Yeah, and so like that was the, that was almost like the quickest way to short circuit it. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Because, like, I think about the 48. We get done writing it. It's always really satisfying. Um, and then they, they spend, like, two more days working on it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, this was, like, high volume. And we were writing so many fucking words. Yeah. That was insane, dude. Like, do you ever think about how many takes we had? <laughs> like, now that you mention that, that's it's wild. <laughs> it's It's a lot, dude. Yeah. Um, we had posts five days a week. All like, what was our word? Probably all of them, at least 2000 words. Yeah. There were very few that were uh, south of a thousand. Yeah. And so when you think about writing that much, I mean, that terrifies most people, <laughs> but we kind of leaned into it too. Yeah. It was you, me and Jamie because Jamie was always so fucking funny. Oh yeah. So you and Jamie came up with the, the zombie JFK versus Cookie Monster in a presidential debate, <laughs> which to this day is probably one of the hardest I've ever laughed at anything in my entire life. Because <laughs> we were at Jamie's house, and you and Jamie came up with that. Talk me through that. Well, it started the night before. I was um, I was still in Fort Collins, but you guys were down here. And so I was drinking with some other people. And whatever reason, Zombie JFK came up. <laughs> as, as it does. Sure. And so I, I remember texting that to you guys. <laughs> 
so then the next night I was back down here all hanging out and you or Jamie, somebody was like, expand more on this zombie JFK. And so there we just started riffing and <laughs> I don't know why like cookie monster came up in it, but dude, it was perfect though, because I'm like, this is at the time. So this would have been like 2006 or so. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so the Democrats can't think of anything better than just rehydrating JFK and putting a zombie in office. And the Republicans have a literal puppet. And so, <laughs> and I remember you, like, you said at one point, you either texted me this or said it on, no, you texted me this because I heard it perfectly in my, in my head. It was a line from Cookie Monster and it was, me smoke, but me not inhale. <laughs> And I go, well, of course not. Have you ever seen him eat cookies? <laughs> and I go, God damn, that's funny. Like this, and then uh, when did the <laughs> Jamie wrote the line from Zombie JFK? Right, the ICB nine brain eater. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, dude, seriously, I got that text the next morning, and I was hungover as hell, and like I laughed so hard, I my hangover literally flew out of my body. I'm like, Ick B9 Brain Eater? Dude, no <laughs> fucking way. That fits so flawlessly into this insane premise that we've come up with. Yeah. And so I remember that was the turning point. I go, no, this has to happen now. <laughs> like, we have to create together. Yeah. That was my feeling. Did you feel the same way? Yes, yes, I did. <clears throat> Talk me through, like, your feelings when we started Crew Jones Society because it took us a while we were trying, like, first of all, I came up with the name because I obviously love the movie Rad. Um, and the fact that you guys were cool with it, I'm like, I felt like I got one over on you guys somehow. I don't, I don't understand. And then we paid our graphic designer in like Crate and Barrel gift cards. Yeah. And I was still getting catalogs from Crate and Barrel for like five years after that. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Which fits nicely in your, uh, in your apartment. Yeah. Decorated in early fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we started writing it. We figured out kind of what we wanted to be. It took us a long time to find our footing. But in those early days, how were you feeling about it? Uh, it was a little a little overwhelming because I didn't – apparently I had a little bit of online writing experience. <laughs> but nothing like this. Like, yeah. Because we really set this schedule for ourselves. That, yeah. Um, Aggressive. Yeah. Like from the get-go, which maybe was oh, – that's probably a good thing. No, actually. no, no. That was a I, – Yeah. I, I will – Yeah. Yeah, I will co-sign on that. That was a definite good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of so I was a little um, overwhelmed on that aspect, but like I have this, I don't know if I want to say it's a problem. I'm, I'm very much a people pleaser. Okay. So, like, I never wanted to let you down. <laughs> so, like, I got to write this. I got to get something out there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's interesting, uh, and that actually makes sense because I really, really wanted this to happen, and I was pushing hard. Yeah. And so, like, that's why I took on, I mean, I don't think I'm out of line in saying I took on, like, the lion's share of the work on that side, too. Yeah. Like, doing the editorial calendar, doing all the back-end stuff, like, paying all the bills and, like, all that shit. Yeah. But the fact that you were there and I could count on you to write, like, every other day. And, and we would, like, switch off who did Happy Friday and who did Monday Confessional. Yeah. Which were great segments, by the way. We yeah. need to talk about those. But we didn't have those at the beginning. No, we sh- Oh, my God. No, we sure didn't. <laughs> the and only thing that was nice, though, we had that third person, so it wasn't every other day we had Yeah, but only for a little bit. Yeah, but... That was the hard thing, too. And I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about this, because Jamie and I... Jamie is 
one of my best friends in the entire world. Yeah. And I don't want to talk too much about this because he's not here and that's not fair. But he and I live together enough and we're different and similar enough to, to where we know how to exactly push each other's buttons. Yeah. And frequently you'd end up in the middle of that. What was that like? It was weird. It was almost like, I don't want to say your parents fighting, but same kind of thing. You're like, I don't want to take a side, but he seems more right on this one. And, ah, yeah. one of us seems more right than the other. Yeah. I remember we had that, like, we really had it out when we went down to Tucson. Uh, that was a weird night, wasn't it? Yeah. Where finally I'm like, dude, I can't have him missing posts. Yeah. Like I treated this shit like a business. Oh yeah. You definitely did. Which I don't know, man. Was that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Um, it was a good thing. Yeah, it was a good thing. All right. I mean, I took it seriously. I wanted it to succeed, and I'm like, if we're not giving it our all, then why should we even be here? Yeah. And like, that kind of thing, it needs a leader like that. Hmm. And so you were great in that role and took it on. So Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't think Jamie felt that way. No. I think he was looking this, at this as more of a LARF, you know, kind of update it whenever. Yeah, it was like a hobby. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this isn't going to fly with me. And we kind of butted heads about that. And eventually he's like, look, I just need to step back then. I go, fair enough. Like, that's fine. Come in, write anything you want, anytime you want, because you're funny. Because this pisses me off to this day. I will tell you this. He came up with two of the best things that Crew Jones Society ever did. Yeah. One was Happy Friday. Yeah. He invented that. That's his 100%. I, I go, oh, man, I know what this concept is. And I blew it out. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it was his. 100% him. The other one was food, sex, or cars, which, I mean, was stolen from an SNL bit, admittedly. Yeah. But he just, he wrote that. I go, God damn it. I know what this is immediately, too. You son of a bitch. You are funnier than I am. And that pissed me off. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this. You're part of the team, and we're going to run with it. And God, do you remember, first of all, writing food, sex, or cars? Yeah. That was some of the most fun I had all year. Yeah, I like that because we usually get together to do it. <laughs> yeah. But people would be like, oh, man, I can't wait for food, sex, or cars. Yeah. Because we would, like, spend our own money on prizes and shit, too. Yeah. And Mike Flick still, like, texts me about it sometimes. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, amazing. You know what I could go for right now? Some food, sex, or cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's remarkable. But we used to do that, like, every Thanksgiving week because we didn't want to write yeah. during that week. And so we'd write it in advance and then post them. I remember I was down in Tucson one day and I would, I would post them fresh each day. Like I had, I brought my computer just to do crew Jones society <laughs> work. So like that's how much I was fucking into it. Um, but you're right. Those times when we would get together and like we'd come with these just horrifying lists of things. Like you and I would just both come up with things that would fit either in the food, sex or cars category. <laughs> Barely fit in them, but sometimes. well. Yeah. <laughs> And then we would like fit them together and we'd argue about which one should win. Yeah. Which, I mean, that was really fun. Like it has its own bizarre kind of anti-logic to it. You're ranking these things and I, I can't even think of one that I want to repeat on this show. Um, except for maybe the food one that you came up with. You know which one I'm going to say, don't uh, you? I think I do. Well, what, what is it? A, uh, the contents of a vacuum in a burrito shell. Yeah. <laughs> A burrito shell? A burrito shell. That's what people call them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know common terminology for things. It's a shame there's not like a one word that could replace burrito shell. Alas, burrito shell it shall forever be. 
Yeah, when you, when I saw that, when you, I think you read that out loud to me, and I may have just had to sit down because that made me laugh so hard. I'm like, that is so fucking gross. That has to win. So, like, whatever the car and the sex option are, they have to be worse than that somehow. I'm like, because only in a fucked up comedy writing exercise such as this can that win anything. Yeah. And that was great. So, yeah, like when I say you're my muse, you come up with this shit and you blow it out in a way that I just like it It, it blows my mind sometimes. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Kentucky Derby, too. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. The other day I was talking to Kristen about uh, bagel bites and she goes, wait, why? Why do we even eat bagel bites? <laughs> And I go, I can tell you exactly why. Like as a society or is it? <laughs> <laughs> a fair question. Because <laughs> when pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. God, I hate you. <laughs> like what is the origin of that? And I go, I can tell you exactly. It was a Married to the Sea comic. So MarriedToTheSea.com. There was just this drawing of a barbershop quartet. And this guy used to find these old drawings and then just recaption them with insanity. And this one, so it's a barbershop quartet. And we used to read that every single day. Oh, yeah. It was great. Like, he writes on the barbershop quartet, bum, 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 pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening. And I go, oh, shit. <laughs> and I died laughing. So at our next derby party, I think we both showed up with bagel bites. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it's like we're this lame married couple where we get each other the same Christmas present. <laughs> in, except instead, we're bringing bagel bites to the same Kentucky Derby party. <laughs> We've been to each other's bagel bites. <laughs> That's exactly right. But the Derby thing was always like so fun to write. It was. That was like my favorite thing about Crew Jones Society ever. Yeah. How did you know when it was time to be done with that? It felt like you kind of like reached the bottom of the well on ideas. Because I remember at one point we kind of took that hiatus. It was going to have that hiatus, but it didn't feel right to completely cancel. Yeah. Because I remember having like a breakdown at one point where I'm like, I'm not creating. Yeah. We got to get this back. And but, we did a limited schedule for a while, too. Remember yeah, that? Like, yeah. It, it was like two posts. You and I would write like one post a week. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Um, and then, so we were, we came back. We were kind of doing it for a while, but uh, it just kind of, it wasn't going where we wanted. And it was just starting to feel more like a job than any kind of pleasurable thing. And, I, I remember that well. And I remember, like, I had a lot of annoyances about the site. And then we decided to do a full month back. Like, a month where we were, like, back to our old ways. Like, yeah. all the segments came back. And I remember we got, like, halfway through it, and I go, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Yeah. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah. That was weird, wasn't it? It really was. Because that dominated so much of my thinking in my 20s. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. Like, I, everything I did, I'm like, oh, maybe I can turn this into a blog post. Yeah. Or, I don't know about you, man, but, like, so many nights, I'd just be sitting, in like, in front of my computer, just trying to figure out what to write. Yeah. And it's like, I should be doing something else. <laughs> but I didn't want to do anything else. Yeah. Like, isn't that the weirdest part? Like, we, we did this website that ultimately didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it found some success, but, like, not, not in any real kind of material way. No. I still love it. I appreciate it for everything. Uh, but I think about it, too. Um, I went back to school as we were doing that. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we had to write all this stuff. I'm like, there's no problem. I can write this. <laughs> a thousand words, whatever. Yeah. So like, in many ways, it prepared me in 
you know, things other than creative writing. Just Wow. I, I will say the discipline of it too, because you and I were so good about it. Like for two plus years, literally five days a week, there was new shit. Yeah. And it was all like, and it wasn't repurposed. It wasn't like, you know, these dumb fucking Buzzfeed listicles. Right. That's all just like, Hey, you know, like let's take a bunch of tweets. No, this was all from our brains. Right. Having that has made me more successful in my career now hmm. and help me with this show. Like once I started doing this show, I go, Oh, I know how to like structure things and, you know, like stick to a schedule. And at what point did you start for all the unheard? Um, because that was after Crew Jones Society, and you kind of kept up Happy Friday for a while, which I was really happy about. Yeah. Which, by the way, just to put a pin in this, Happy Friday was you and I would send each other links. Whoever was writing Happy Friday, you and I would both like find cool shit on the internet, or like readers would send them in, and then we'd compile them in this really like fun list style article, but with like a ton of narrative and jokes. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I think part of the burnout too came from that. Like Happy Friday was fun because we like found these yeah. leaks just kind of naturally. Like, oh, these are funny links. But then we started like looking for links, and Ugh. it again it became work. Uh, it but, was it was hard too, dude. Uh, the day before my rehearsal of my wedding, I had to write a Happy Friday, and so Kristen's like sitting in <laughs> in the bedroom watching Jim and Pam get married on the office, <laughs> which happened two days before my own wedding. Oh, I know, which is really cool. But I go, I have to finish Happy Friday. And she goes, <laughs> good luck, you dumbass. <laughs> I go, yes, thank you. <laughs> My consigliere of Crew Jones Society. Yeah, never pulling punches, that one. Uh, no, she's the best. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so for all the unheard, that, uh, when was that? Five years ago now? Yeah, I still had it in me to, well, I still had stuff I wanted to keep writing. But yeah, the the break between them, which helped a lot. Oh yeah, I think so. With this one too, like I wasn't on such a rigorous schedule, so it didn't be didn't feel like work. It felt like something I wanted to do. I could write when I wanted to. You know, not to say that like having that schedule is a bad thing, but just kind of having the freedom to yeah. just be more open with it. It's nice. Well, it's funny because it was right around the end. So it was 2010, the first time we did the 48. And so Brad was talking about like how funny we were and like he'd never worked with us before, asked us to write the script. We wrote the shittiest script ever for like Tatori Dynasty. It was awful. Yeah. Um, some of it was decent, but it wasn't until later when we started writing the 48. And so, I mean, they did, Christ, how many between those like were we? It was like um, six at least. I don't think it was that many. Okay. Well, when you came back, it might have been six. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came back like two years before you. Yeah, because you worked on Catastrophe yeah. and Diary of Anya Frank. No, I didn't work on Diary. Oh, I you came didn't? back after Diary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like, I think it was Diary, Don't Be a Pussy. Uh, and maybe it was, no, Don't Be a Pussy was earlier. Yeah. I wasn't going in order there. I was just. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was Thunderbolt, the first Thunderbolt. Yeah. That uh, weird one that he let quirk. Oh, yeah. Conception. Yeah. But we came back and we wrote Cardigan Sorrow. That was that was a tough process to get going. But once we got it on track, that was really, really funny. Yeah. Because And it was right in our wheelhouse, so it was like a satire of hipsters, which was great because it reminded me of Crew Jones Society. I don't know about you. Yeah, it really did. And the thing that I like, and I just I wanted to get your reaction to this and see how you felt about it. It kind of reminds me of Crew Jones Society where like, I'm happy to take on the bulk of the heavy lifting. Like... 
I mean, and you said this when you met me in high school theater, you know, kind of this big personality. And yeah. Like, I always treated Crew Jones Society very seriously. Like, I wanted it to at least be positioned to get big if it ever did. And I wanted to make sure all the, like, behind-the-scenes work was done for that. Yeah. So when it comes to our writing, is it fair to say I handle the bulk of kind of what we're doing structurally? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then that shit would all be fine. It would probably be like a C plus. And then you come in and you get to jokes so fast. What is that instinct that you have? I really don't know. I, I'm not sure where that comes from. It might come from my dad. Okay. He's got that same kind of like humor and sensibility. Um, because you can tag on to something so fast and like you take it from here and move it up here, which is, is an instinct that I have a little bit like, I mean, because I can do that, but not as quickly or as fluently or as forcefully as you can. You know, it might also stem from the, like the fact that I don't like talking. (laughs) I'm like, what is the most efficient way I can do this? Like get these words out there and just dude, there was one night uh, I texted you and I'm sure I was intoxicated. It was about moons over my hammy. And I'm like, that could be describing someone's ass over their thighs or something like that. And you said, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, that, that's what's in it at Soylent Denny's. I go, God damn it. (laughs) Like that is such a good fucking joke. And it's like seven words where like, I take this insane premise that's pretty funny. I maybe, I don't know. Like, yeah. is that? Oh, yeah, no, it's funny. <laughs> but you just, you, <laughs> you punctuate it flawlessly. I go, okay, now it's an actual thing. Now it's actually funny. It's like fucking zombie JFK versus cookie monster where like, that's insane. But you delivering the line, me smoke, but me not inhale in the cookie monster cadence. I go, Jesus Christ, how is he making these connections this quickly? It's fucking phenomenal. Well, thank you. And, and that's like, that's why I find it's so much easier to write because I know, like, I can just start going. Yeah. And what's weird is I feel like a lot of times when I'm writing, I'm crossing a bridge that I'm also building. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. Like, I'm building the bridge that I'm crossing at the same time, and I have no idea how I'm going to get to the other end. And you just swoop in with like this track and get me across the finish line and land the land the fucking thing on the other side of the ravine. Yeah. Like that to me, that's how it works. And I literally never thought about it in those terms until just now. Wow. Does that land with you? It does. Okay. <laughs> that's. Uh, I'm glad you like bring that up because one of the things that I enjoy. Like working with you in writing is you always have these like great kind of analogies or way to put things. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so exhibit a, yeah. Okay. Um, and I can't think of it now, but it was a couple weeks ago when we were watching those, um, uh, concert live streams. Yeah. And you said something I'm like, ah, that's perfect. Like that describes it perfectly, but in such like a weird sort of way. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what that was, but it's like that insane thing. Uh, when we were watching the hip hop ones, uh, where I'm like, clearly it goes Beach Boys to Ramones to Naughty by Nature to, I don't know, One Direction probably. <laughs> so, um, I'm like, and I'm just saying what everyone knows, right? Yeah, this yeah. is what, this is how everyone thinks. But yeah, it's almost like 
you and I have this freedom to just sort of bounce the most insane shit off of each yeah. other. Yeah, and it's kind of this weird, like, one-upsmanship, <laughs> but without the bravado of it. Yeah, yeah, without the need to take credit. Yeah, like, we want the best joke. Yeah. How can we build that? Yeah, it's total meritocracy, um, and, and we're both doing different parts. It's like Pimp My Ride. <laughs> you know, God damn, you're this right. This is what I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, where someone has to do the wacky paint. And then, you know, uh, whatever, what's, what's his fucking name? Mirror Man or, uh, n- no, not Method Man. What the hell is his name? Mad Mike. That's close. <laughs> <clears throat> Where he puts in all the wacky electronics, you know? Yeah. Like everyone's kind of got their part. And at the end, you have this insane car that no one can afford the insurance on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so for us, I can't, which one of us wrote the Sylvia Plath joke, uh, in If It Bleeds? I feel like that was me. Cause I, I that was this, you. I this weird thing for like, uh, literature humor. <laughs> uh, like, I, I still always laugh about sucks to your ass, Mar Piggy. I love that joke, too. No, you're right. This is why we're friends. Because, like, that is such a mean thing to say to the fat kid with asthma. Yeah. Like, and his name is Piggy, for the love of God. Like, that's just <laughs> such a mean-spirited kind of thing. But taken out of context, it's hilarious. Yeah. So, yes. No, I'm with you. So, yeah, the Sylvia Plath joke, and if it bleeds, I remember... Because, yeah, Ruby Starr was a poet, and so we were writing some joke about trying to get her to cry on cue. And, like, how how did you phrase it? It was was like, all right, Sylvia Plath, how about you? Or do you need to stick your head in the fucking oven first? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, yeah, I nearly died when you said that, because then we presented that to them. And what's so funny, too, is, so Cardigan Sorrow was the satire of hipsters, and then If It Bleeds was this satire of, like, wingnut conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And a a commentary on just how tough gun control is in America. If you watch it more than once, it feels like it's coming down Main Street. Mm -hmm. But the second time, or the the first time you watch it, you go, oh, shit. And, like, it, it almost makes the whole thing land with such greater impact than it would have otherwise. Yeah, totally. And that, like, that to me... The more I think about it, that is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I'm still really drawn to Catastrophe. Like, I'm sad you weren't on that one. Sure. But yeah, just the way that one turned out, I really enjoyed. This most recent one we wrote, uh, Spotlight. Dude, I, the other thing that I, I don't know that people understand or necessarily appreciate is our sensibility is quite filthy. Yeah. Like, at least right at the get-go. And... This is why editing is important too, because you really gotta, you gotta dial it back sometimes. And, and sometimes, I mean, you gotta go up a step, but more often than not, we're having to pull it in. Yeah. Because I think about the final joke of Spotlight. Do you remember that first, or that, like, that final joke? Yeah. What, it's like the, a Burt Lancaster one. Right, right. I don't get off until I say I get off, unless Burt Lancaster's inside me, because he truly goes from here to eternity. That's a great joke. Yeah. Like, it's a fun joke. It started out horrifying. <laughs> it really did. And like we're <laughs> making each other laugh. But I mean, this is like pure writer's room kind of stuff. Yeah. Where you, you kind of start there. It's like you're reading it back or you're reading it on the page or you read it to someone else. And that's really important, too. You got to like <laughs> gauge their reaction. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, there's there's a joke in Cardigan's Snow in If It Bleeds about Crunchberry flavored vape juice. <laughs> this started out also way 
more gross. Yeah, I remember that. And that one, uh, if forced to, I would defend it. It's probably, with much more hindsight, probably better than it exists in the form that it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, too, totally, about almost the one-upsmanship. Like, how far can we take this before it's like, uh, too far? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that And that, to me, is like the most fun part. Definitely. So, anyway... We've gone more than an hour. Holy cow. Um, what's on your list? Like, what what do you want to do next, man? Like, in terms of creativity, because you and I, we've written movies together. We've written this website. We've now finally done a podcast together. Where do you want to go? You know, I, I'd like to, like, stay with the movies and do something more full length. It doesn't even have to be full length, but more than, like, seven minutes. Sure. Yeah. That's that's what I'd like. And so I, I love that we've been kind of talking about doing the like, 80s sex farce thing. Because <laughs> it, it's, you know, get the ball rolling somehow. Just like writing it? Or like, like, do you have any desire to go back to even high school roots where you're filming some of this? You know, like where you have a hand in crafting that vision in that way? Uh, a little bit. Lately, I've kind of been uh, more interested in like the editing aspect. Hmm. And, you know, how to take all those shots. And like you were saying earlier with the the music videos I did, like those ideas all came from editing. Like, because I had these shots and I can put it with that. And combining that kind of thing, I think, is more what I'm into now as opposed to just filming it or working with Brad on some of these 48s, like watching him film, like, because you're there behind the camera. So it's a different thing than what you see. Yeah. So you're kind of watching going, what is he doing? How is this going to work? And then you see it, you're like, oh, okay. That, <laughs> that looks wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I quite have that eye anymore. But... Sure. All right. Well, is there anything you want to plug? Not really. For all the unheard.com. Sometimes I write there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were doing reviews of Disney movies, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you should pick that up. Yeah. I'm in the middle of writing the Alice in Wonderland one. Motivation on that right now. Well, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. You dated a chick who was really into Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are times where there's something about a text where I'm like, yeah, I'm just not interested in when I think about this thing. Yeah. I think about some element of my past that oh, yeah. I'm not interested. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, anyway, thanks for making this uh, my seventh anniversary. I love giving people a peek behind the curtain. I only do that every hundred episodes or so. <laughs> depending on how many solo episodes and whatever, but you're my best friend. You are my muse. You're my writing partner. And I love you, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Love you too, man. This was fun. And that'll do it for episode 285 of the John of All Trades podcast. Happy seven-year anniversary to me. Thanks to Jason for getting out of his comfort zone and doing this with me. Had a great time. Can't wait till we're creating again. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Communications firm, the traditional style PR, one of my specialties, creating podcasts. So, if you have an idea, I can help you see its fruition, then I can help you produce it. Hit me up, John, J O N, at deftcom.us, D E F T C O M.us. Our sponsor is Four Degrees, the number four, D E G R E dot E S. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees can help you do it better. Building a website, social media marketing, online advertising, trying to get your campaign, good service or product out to the people who need to hear it most, Four Degrees can help you do that. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. 
Hit me up on social. J-O-A-T-Pod is the handle. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Monday. New episodes drop on Wednesday. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. And hey, while you're there, leave us a rating, leave us a review. All great ways to help the John of All Trades podcast. I'm out of here for this week and next. Thank you for taking this journey with me for seven years. Cannot wait to see how long it lasts. I'm infinitely grateful that you've chosen to make me a part of your life. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.